0: Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham.
1: Welcome to the show. I'm Chris Graham. We're going to talk some NASCAR with Rod Mullins. Boy, there's a lot to get into, Rod, as we were talking just before we hit record. Tempers are flaring. People are all over the place. Uh, let's start with Atlanta, I guess, this past weekend. The uh, the race on Sunday and, uh, you know, another thrilling finish. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski uh, giving us the, the, the last lap battle. Uh, I guess we didn't have to go to overtime at least to see who would win this one.
0: Yeah, we didn't have to go to overtime and that's probably a good thing this time around because I think some of the fans probably at one point or another have grown too accustomed to this whole thing of going to overtime and we have a wreck and let's go to overtime. Let's settle this thing. But uh, it didn't happen this time around because uh, Joey Logano finished the car race where he started and that was pretty much out in front of the field and he managed to get a push from Christopher Bell on that last lap and I think that was probably one of the most daring moves I think anybody had made during the during the course of the race and that was he made that move around Brad Keselowski Keselowski hadn't won a race in 66 races uh you know looking for his first win especially with Roush Fenway Keselowski racing And then, you know, that momentum that Christopher Bell gave Joey Logano just pushed him across the start-finish line ahead of him by .194 seconds. And I think that was a big deal, especially, um, well, I should say .193 for Logano, .194 for Keselowski. So separated at least by just a few digits, but still a good race altogether. I think it was a good race, uh, expected. William Byron had some uh, success early on in this race, but then it seemed like the wheels just kind of fell off for a bunch of people in this race as they had a big wreck. A couple of them, as a matter of fact, Kevin Harvick, he had taken the lead for the first time at lap 190 and then Chastain pulled up close behind Harvick. There was some accusations that uh, Chastain may have hit him. He didn't hit him. He just clearly took the air off of him from the draft and then the car broke loose. Uh, Harvick did trigger a massive wreck that uh, involved twelve cars there toward the end of the race. Uh, well, a little bit before the end of the race, and so Harvick gets eliminated. William Byron, who was a front runner at one point, he got uh, got eliminated. Chris Buescher, Harrison Burton, B.J. McLeod—that was just some of them right there. But I tell you, it was a fun race. Ford actually picks up their first win of the 2023 season, and you know, especially with former last year champion Joey Logano, that was a big feather in the
1: cap for Penske Racing and also for Ford. All right, so I guess we can't talk too much more about uh, how the race went without talking about. We mentioned this last week on the show about Hendrick Motorsports look like they may be set up for uh, some fines and maybe even some some suspensions. And right. not only were there some, there were some. Um, uh, they, they they were. I, I'm seeing a headline that says largest combined penalty in history. This was yeah. a, this was a big deal from NASCAR. Yeah, it was, and I was a little bit surprised.
0: I thought there might be at least just a slap at the hand. A slap on the hand to kind of say no don't do this or anything of this kind of, of this type of nature but uh, NASCAR lowered the boom and if Denny Hamlin thought at one point or another if Denny Hamlin thought that NASCAR and Hendrick Motorsports were in each other's pocket that was completely thrown out the window with this one because uh, Denny which we'll talk about here a little bit later on Uh, Denny's notorious for shooting his mouth off about things. And this proved to me more than anything else that, uh, well, there's an issue here. There was an issue. We don't know what the issue is. Hendrick says more than anything else, that it was a, um, an issue of, this is the way they came. This is the way we're going to put it together. And this is the way that we intended for it to work. Uh, so somebody, somewhere, the parts, something happened someplace and right now the people, uh, getting the most punishment out of it are going to be the, uh, crew chiefs. Uh, they're the ones that are suspended for four races, I think altogether, plus on top of that big monetary fines, 400 and some thousand dollars in a fine. Uh, some of the drivers with the exception of Chase Elliott docked in points, uh, where they were at Byron was at least in the top 10 in the points he's been taught, you know, knocked out of that. So, uh, You know, it was a big day. It was a big day when this all happened, and I don't know. I just, you know, I I think it just eliminated this whole thing to me that, uh, yeah, uh, Hendrick has been uh, uh, getting by for such a long time with NASCAR. I think NASCAR finally did lower the the boom on uh, whoever it was. Hendrick
1: just happened to be the one that got hit, and that's what happened. I'm seeing that Bowman dropped from first to 23rd in the standings, Byron from fourth to 29th. Yep. Larson from fifth to 32nd. So all that early season nomination by Hendrick uh, rendered moot uh, after those penalties. And you, you mentioned Denny Hamlin. Uh, he was penalized as well for, uh, for wrecking Ross Chastain. Uh, you want to talk about that? Yeah. I wrecked him at Phoenix and yeah. you know, yeah. they, they say this feud
0: is um, they say this feud right now has supposed to been, it came to an end, but I don't think Denny Hamlin wants to let go of anything uh denny hamlin's one of these drivers he he goes he talks a good talk about it and he says well we're going to forget about it right now he's the most controversial podcast that's on nascar right now and he has joined forces with dale jr of, of all people with dirty mo racing and they have put together a podcast and he's been very controversial already in the first couple of podcasts that he's done well then this happens at phoenix he goes and wrecks chastain and Uh Chastain's like, you know, what are we going to do about this whole thing, this whole situation? Chastain kind of in one way brushed it aside, but NASCAR kind of says, Nope, you deliberately wrecked him, therefore, we're gonna penalize you out of it. At first, he was like, I accept it. You know, I've you know, it's kind of like getting payback and so forth out of all the things that have happened so far. But then uh by the weekend and by the time that we are well, it's on Monday, I think it he finally comes down to it and he says. Hmm. On second thought, I'm going to appeal this. I'm going to appeal it and I'm going to fight it. And which kind of surprised me out of the whole thing. I thought, okay, it's cut and dry. But uh, Denny is just wanting to be Denny for that matter. And let me throw another thing in too. Uh, the thing about right now, Hendrick is going to appeal their fines. They're going to appeal their deduction in points. And Jeff Gordon is very upset over it. Jeff Gordon is probably the most visible person right now of uh, Hendrick Motorsports. And he has already said, you know, uh, this hurts us. This hurts us reputation wise because we try to run a clean ship. And I know everybody tries to run a clean ship in NASCAR. I know there's cheating that has gone on before in the past and so forth, but You know, this is one of those things where I think Jeff Gordon's got a point, and I'm not siding with Jeff Gordon on it, except to say, you know, hey, if there was a problem with these louvers that were on the hood of the car, and they came from the manufacturer, whoever is doing this manufacturing for NASCAR and so forth, why in the world would we want to go and mess with those, knowing full well that we're going to go and end up messing the car up? and then we won't be able to pass inspection. I mean, you know, NASCAR has kind of come down on them a little bit more. I don't know if uh, a lot of people heard of, uh, about this. Kyle Busch's crew chief, he was kicked out of the uh, infield or out of the, um, out of the garage area after uh, Richard Childress's car, Kyle Busch, failed inspection three times before the race on Sunday. So there's another little bit of controversy. Is it something that they're uh, NASCAR is lowering the boom on with it coming to the Chevrolets to try to slow down this Chevrolet pace that they've had so far on the season before Toyota and Ford starts, you know, kind of yapping a little bit and saying they've got an unfair advantage. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's just the politics of NASCAR, I guess is all you can say.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it sounds like people are frustrated. Another person frustrated, uh, uh Josh Williams in the NASCAR Xfinity series, um, uh, wow. I've seen the video of him. Just give me, mean, it looked like a, a, a movie, maybe something that, um, uh, Ricky Bobby would do on Talladega yep. nights. He just he just parked his car to start finish line and walked off the track. Uh, what happened there? Well, NASCAR told him and said, you know,
0: you need to go and I don't know what the deal was behind the scenes of the reason why they told him to park the car. <laughs> They've not made a decision yet. I think on what they're going to do, or this is going to be handled, so quietly and double secret probation is what you'd hear in animal house. But, uh, you know, they, he essentially said in the interview, he said, NASCAR told me to park the car. So. I pulled it to the start finish line. I parked the car and I got out of the car. That's what I did. I just did exactly. He said, it's all good. I'm not going to worry about it. It's all good out of this whole thing. And he says, they're going to take me down to the holler and say a couple of things to me and stuff. It was almost like, you know, I'm I'm not dreading this at all. I'm, I just did what they told me to do. Well, you can't blame him in that regard. And, uh, you know, he kind of gives a kind of gives a little bit of this uh, retaliation sort of look maybe like a Dale Earnhardt would have done or somebody else might've pulled. And that's what I'm starting to see a little bit more of, uh, a little bit of this defiance sort of thing. And I don't know if you caught the interview that, uh, Dustin Long had finally from NBC sports had put it up on, uh, he put it up on most of the major social media sites. The interview with Kyle Bush, uh, talking about no respect from the other drivers inside the garage area. Nobody respects one another anymore. And he said, quote unquote, and I'm saying it, I know we try to keep it as a family show on here, but, uh, Kyle Bush just came right out. He said, none of these drivers give two shits about anybody else. They only care about themselves. They don't care about working with one another and so forth. And it's kind of opened up a, another wound again, I guess if you want to call it in NASCAR. And that is you don't have that camaraderie there. Everybody is pretty much out for blood. And I know that's what it is on, you know, week in and week out basis. You're trying to go and win and you'll do anything you can to get to the winner circle. But you got people that won't work with each other. You have people that, can't get along with each other denny hamlin and ross chastain this whole situation uh you know sparks are going to fly by the time they get to Cota this week when they get to the circuit of the americas because there are some people that don't like the way that they road race so you know i agree with him kyle bush is right you know there's no camaraderie in the in the pits and you know amongst the people in the garage area especially out on the track uh so nascar's got another image thing that they're going to have to overcome here in order to uh get back at least some semblance of some normalcy in the garage area but you know right now nascar's probably enjoying every bit of it hey this is competition this is like world wrestling you know and everything else we've got teams against teams and stuff and if y'all get together you know when the cameras are off and so forth ah, what the heck go ahead and have a drink with each other but if you can't stand each other Go ahead, fuel it up a little bit more, and let's have some more fun with it. So, yeah, they're going to have to get back some basics, I think, in order to, uh, you know, kind of overcome this
1: uh, speed bump on the road. Yeah, you know, the the saying in wrestling it dates back to the late, now late promoter Jerry Jarrett from Memphis area. Uh, personal issues draw money. That's what puts butts in seats. So, um, yeah, <laughs> they're getting back to the roots there. Hey, you mentioned Circle of the Americas. Um, got uh, see a news bit here about. Jimmy Johnson adding two races to his limited race schedule for 2023. And one of those, he's going to be at Circuit of the Americas this weekend. Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a good move for him too. I think
0: he's kind of feeling confident about, especially on the road course. He always raced well on a road course. If it was up at, uh, you know, up in New York, or if it was out on the coast, out on the West Coast and stuff out at Sears Point or Infineon Raceway, whatever they call it now, and so forth, he always raced good on road course. Uh, he gave a lot of people more than they could handle, and he's kind of brought up in that sort of thing. He was one of those West Coast drivers that enjoyed either you know, racing, uh, racing the way it should be at least on short track or for that matter on a road course, he enjoyed doing that sort of thing. So yeah, we're going to get him back for the Dakota the race at Austin, Texas. And we're also going to have him at the Coca-Cola 600 when it comes around, uh, at Memorial Day weekend in Charlotte. So I think both of those moves is kind of, uh, a precursor, so to speak of kind of weighing and seeing how much he wants to get back involved with this race team on a more full-time basis. I don't see him racing full-time but you know he could he could race a good I don't know eight ten races if he wanted to part time and still come out of it okay and still say hey I, I can understand some things as to what my drivers are going through uh, I can understand some things as to what we're up against as a race team with uh, that Legacy Motor Club that he has now so um, yeah I think it's a good move think it's going to be interesting we'll see how everything pans out this weekend at Coda and uh, you know. It's it's hard to it's hard to imagine what we're gonna be seeing this coming weekend. It could be a free for all like most of these races have been. Um, Lord knows, I hope it doesn't rain because if it rains, we're gonna have a lot of belly aching out of this one because everybody's belly ached when they raced the last time down there in the rain, and uh, some people didn't like it. So uh, I think it's gonna be good. I think it's good that uh, that Johnson's getting involved again, uh, so to speak, and as a part time car owner, if you want to call him that.
1: What kind of team does he have there? What you know, I know the driver's skill obviously very important, but you're you, the team around you also important of the chance you have. Uh, th- th- does he have a chance to to do something here? I mean, yeah, know, maybe I, finish top five, top ten, something like that. Yeah,
0: I think he's got a chance, maybe finishing top ten somewhere in there and stuff. Uh, will he get across? that just depends on how everything else goes in front of him. I think more than anything else, uh, you know, I wouldn't count out an Eric Jones out of this too, because, you know, we're still in that legacy motor club uh, deal, that sort of thing. And that is Noah Gregson. He's pretty good on road courses too. He's aggressive. He's young. Uh, these guys could do really well. And I think legacy has gotten some good crew members and they've gotten some good people in some key places at least that's the way it looks on paper the way i look at it but now internally i don't know how it's really going for them right now i know that they've had an up and down season so far but it took them a little while before they got their their foothold last season when eric jones finally won that race uh, late on in the season so you know I think he's got the, the makings. He, he did well. He could have done well at Daytona if it hadn't been for, you know, the last second, all the big wrecks and everything happening there at Daytona. And he got taken out, uh, there and it messed him up. Uh, I think he could have done real
1: well at that race, but you know, it's, it's a racing thing. We'll just have to wait and see. So circuit of the Americas, we've been talking about it. It's this weekend. Um, you know, I'm looking at the layout as we're talking here, uh, for the track. Um, 3.426 3.426 miles, uh, lots of interesting turns and turn backs and slow turns and everything else. Uh, who does well? Uh, the, I know this race has recently been around for a couple of years, but who, who's been doing well here? And uh, who would be, you know, who were some of the favorites you think this weekend?
0: Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I think one of the favorites this weekend, and he definitely showed it last year, but he had some issues, I think, was Tyler Reddick. And Tyler Reddick had a good performance at Atlanta this past weekend. Uh, he ran well, um, I think this is probably his time to shine at least or get into the win column uh, with that uh, 2311 race team and uh, he does well at road courses he loves those sort of things, and I believe that's probably his best chance right there. Um, I really am not going to count out I will tell you somebody's on a roll right now and if he get, ends up getting a top five out of this. Uh, you know, if uh, they may t- tell Chase Elliott, stay away a little while longer. Let's see what we can do with this. Josh Berry has just absolutely surprised a bunch of people. You know, starting out the first race, having to sub in for him, he did pretty well that one. And then this past weekend, I think top ten finish, top fifteen finish is what he ended up with. And he's getting better. He's getting better just a little race at a time. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. was not crazy or out of his head or in a Budweiser stupor when he said that this guy is going to be able to turn some heads and he's going to go places. Uh, he's definitely done it in the Xfinity series. I think just give him his chance in the, in the, in the cup series and I think we're going to see a win out of him it may not be though with Hendrick it may be later on if he decides to go full-time in the sport but he's definitely making it look good for potential sponsors and potential teams to maybe pick him up for next year I'll tell you another one that may do well this coming weekend uh Randy LaJoy Randy LaJoy career high best finish at Atlanta um, momentum swinging his way right there he could have a good race uh, he might even come out on top for a for a small team inspire motorsports that really has had an up and down season until they get to Atlanta and then he ends up I think fourth place finish I think is what he had so unreal there for Randy LaJoy and then we've got the regulars in there as well you're going to have Kyle Busch that, could, uh, that likes this kind of road course but um, we're going to have to see if his car is ready and if it's uh, ready for this uh, demand of this uh, road course the way it is. Uh, we're going to, have to see if that team is ready. And then also, uh, I wouldn't rule out maybe a Joey Logano being in that mix too. Logano buoyed by this uh, past win uh, this past weekend at Atlanta. That would be good for them going down to circuit of the Americas. It'd just be another feather in the cap of a Penske team is
1: what it would be. After Circuit of the Americas, NASCAR comes back towards the East Coast, comes to Virginia uh, yep. for for a few races. So we're looking forward to that, coming back in our neck of the woods. Um, until then, Rod, as always, thank you for your time and your insight. Look forward to talking to you next week. No problem. I was going to say that I wish you'd been able to stay in Orlando a little bit
0: longer, but, uh, you know, oh. it just didn't work out that way and stuff. But at least I, I, I have to say this. At least you guys, you know, together, all working together and stuff. Some of the best coverage, I think, coming from NCAA first round and stuff from down there and stuff. And I know you didn't have much to write about the rest of the weekend, but at least you enjoyed yourself at Animal Kingdom. At least, oh, well, yeah, I
1: did make it to Disney. Yeah, we, I I did make it over there. I wanted to get some sun, you know, I I, I wanted to come back with a couple of basketball wins and some sun, but I, I couldn't come back with a win. So, got out to animal kingdom. I had never been to Disney before. So, uh, now that's, uh, that that's been done. Um, and, uh, it was shocking coming back to Virginia. It was 83. When I got on the plane in Orlando, it was in the forties when I got here to Virginia. So yeah.
0: And it didn't, it didn't get even, I don't even think it got up to 40, I think on Sunday here where, where yeah. I live. And, yeah. It was and in the thirties
1: so. here on Sunday too. Yeah. Oh my gosh that's so shocking after you've been in eighties for a few days uh, this yep. time of year. So, um, you know, if nothing else, at least the NCAA got me to go to Florida for a few days. <laughs> well, we're,
0: we're going to see an, uh, an interesting, I think, uh, sweet 16 on both sides of the court on the men's and the women's side of the court, because uh, I would have never dreamed of Virginia tech going up against Tennessee in the women's bracket. That's going to be, that's going to be an interesting game right there when those two play. And then, of course, Tennessee's going to be playing Florida Atlantic. That's about really the only local teams that I've got close by right now that's even in this whole thing. And uh, I know it's it's kind of going with Tennessee, but, you know, hey, Tennessee manhandled Duke. I was just yeah. – I was yeah. impressed. I mean, this was a team that, you know, is down to bare threads and, and having some players because you got one guy, I think, that's got a broken hand and stuff. He's not able to play either. Uh, got an injury, he's not gonna be back. And yet they took it to do it was like a it was like a clinic. They took him took him to task on that game. So uh, it's all going to get interesting a little bit more down the line. Purdue's not in it anymore. I'm kind of happy with that. I'm not a very big Purdue fan, but you know Farley Dickinson, there's more Farley Dickinsons out there in this world. And you, we
1: may see it before it's over with and what's left of the the sweet 16. That was literally David and Goliath. That team's yep. the, the shortest, smallest team in in Division One, beating the biggest team in Division One. Literally, I mean, that's that's a, uh, you know, and Virginia's not alone anymore. Being a one to lose to a sixteen, and that's Purdue had no saying. excuses. They hadn't they didn't have anybody injured. They just lost. Um, yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I don't want to hear detractors anymore start,
0: and especially, um, I guess you heard the uh, scuttlebutt about UMBC. Firing off a big uh, or a Twitter a thing on Twitter about uh, Virginia losing in the first round again and stuff, and a number, another you know uh, kind of seeding the way that that thing went, uh, they've got them on their mind. I mean, this is almost like being obsessed, like Denny Hamlin is about Ross Chastain. It's almost an obsession at this point. But you know, Virginia's not the only one now. Purdue they took they took the loss out of this too by that small team, and you know that's that's just a testament of this whole. I think 64 team field, when you get all these teams together, you will be surprised by some of these mid-major teams that make such an impact. And you think they should be easy pushovers in your bracket. And I can't say that there's a lot of people right now that's got a bracket that's even held together through all this stuff as it's all came down.
1: Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's the March Madness for a reason. If they played best of five or best of seven series each round, um the the big teams would win most if not all of those but it's one game all you gotta do is be the best team for 40 minutes you don't have to be the best team forever and uh with uh the the democracy i want to call it the democracy of college basketball the uh transfer portal is even things out um you know all this the bigger schools tend to have guys who leave school early to go to the nba or try to go to the nba um the smaller schools keep their guys together longer there's lots of things that even it all out so Hey, it's it's what makes March fun for basketball fans, and also it makes it fun for some basketball fans, and also makes it uh, uh, gut wrenching for basketball like me. Uh, wow. But that's okay; it's what it, it, it's all part of the magic.
0: Well, one last thing, and I'll close. I know one thing: I don't think John Calipari is going to have much of an issue with football anymore at Kentucky after Kansas State beat him on that football-style play on that inbound pass. Did you see that? I did see that. Oh yeah, my yeah, gosh, yeah. that was just unreal that Kansas state pulled something out that looked like a football play and ended up getting it past Kentucky and they win the ball game out of it and, and so forth. And, but unfortunately a lot of fans, I was talking to somebody today and stuff. I said, well, have you heard anything is Calipari on the chopping block yet? And they said, no, they said, he's, he'll be there for as long as he wants to live. I said, well, I can't say that about St. John's and Rick Pitino now, because that big six year contract he's got. So six years of, womanizing and prostitutes and i'm just kidding I, I maybe he's reformed since then <laughs> and stuff but i don't know i mean it's rick patino he's in new
1: york i don't know what's going to happen with that it could get ugly there no yeah, doubt about could. that it could <laughs> yeah it could well rod as always thanks for your time and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon
0: all right appreciate it chris thanks